Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back, everyone, to the Really Real Real Estate Podcast. It's Halloween weekend, and today on the podcast, we are celebrating this spooky holiday by sharing some of our scariest, craziest, and most unbelievable stories from the trenches of the real estate underworld. But in order to do this the right way, we have invited several special guests to help us with our storytelling. Today, we welcome Jessica Craig, Jim Donahoe, and Missy Foltz of Coldwell Banker to share some of their most insane and horrific stories. Okay. I love that intro. <laughs> I love that intro. Great job, Lou. Just out of curiosity, did you recognize that video I sent you when when you first when I when when you first listened to that video? That's the uh, television show, right? Yes. Intro. You, beginning of the television show. The uh, Are you afraid of the dark? Yes. Were you ever a fan of that show? Um, I was. Uh, you guys are a lot younger than me, so you guys are probably <laughs> watch. I never. I wasn't something that I watched, but I was very, I was uh, aware of it. I was about to say, I was a huge fan of that show as a child. I'm pretty sure my parents didn't let me watch it because they were afraid it was going to be too scary. And so I did what every other good child did and just, you know, watched it in the downstairs basement after like they went to bed <laughs> exactly. or when they were in the <laughs> other room. Yeah, that was kind of the theme of my life when I wasn't allowed to watch something. But uh, very excited for today's podcast episode. Um, it's kind of a unique one that I'm very, very excited to get down to. So um, this episode in full disclosure is going to be dropping on Friday, October 29th, which which, as we all know, is going to be Halloween weekend. Um, and I thought it would just be a blast to sit down and just share some of the scariest, craziest, most ridiculous stories uh, of the real estate world that I could think of. And I know anytime I talk to another real estate agent for more than 30 seconds, we all have these crazy, ridiculous stories. And so I thought, I don't want to get on and just share my stories. And I have a few that I'll share, but I wanted to bring on some friends uh, of the podcast uh, to be able to to share some of their stories. And we're just going to spew a bunch of different crazy things that have happened to us uh, over our years in real estate. So we do have uh, three very special guests today, Jessica Craig, Jim Donahoe, and Missy Foltz, all from Colwell Banker. Wasn't really my original intention to have everyone from Colwell Banker, but because we're the best realty company out there, we're just... Uh, I'm glad to have all three of them on representing Coldwell Bankers. This is very, very exciting. Uh, so like I always do with any guest that's on the podcast, I just wanted to give everyone a quick chance to introduce themselves. So I'm going to turn it over first to uh, Jessica Craig. Let herself, let her introduce herself uh, as we get this episode started. Hi, everyone. My name is Jessica Craig. I've been in real estate about three and a half years now, and let's have some fun today. Yes, we will. Missy Fultz, how are I'm, you today? I'm really good. I'm happy to be here. Um, I have been in real estate four years, going into my fifth, and every year is very interesting. <laughs> yes, it is. And I've heard many of your stories already, so uh, I know how interesting it has gotten for you over the last four to five years. I'm still hoping you're going to share that one story at the end. I'm hoping. I have it. I have it. That's um, the nightmare client. Oh, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. I, yeah, yeah. I, I'm excited for that one. And finally, Jim Donahoe. How are you today, Jim? Good, Jason. Thanks for asking me to be on your podcast. Uh, my name is Jim Donahoe. I've been with Coal Banker for over 15 years and certainly in my duration have had a couple of really interesting stories. So I'm really uh, jazzed to uh, share those with the group today. So thank you both. At 15 years, I feel like you probably have a PhD in crazy, ridiculous stories and clients. So how we're going to do this today, for those of you that are listening and maybe don't have a chance to look at the show notes, we've broken it down into three sections. So the first thing we're going to do is uh, share a scariest showing story. We're then going to share a nightmare client and or transaction story. And then the third round is going to be a wild card. It can be any real estate 
uh, story that you have. It's fair game to just tell whatever you want to tell. So we will start back again with Jessica with our scariest showing that we've ever had. Okay, so, you know, for this one, I had quite a few um, very interesting uh, showings where I felt very uncomfortable. But I think the one that sticks out the most to me is last April, beginning of April, I showed a um, fourplex out in Burgettstown. It was a rundown kind of really creepy looking place. Um, I had shown it to multiple investors. I have a ton of investors out that way, but I had gotten a realtor.com lead and I was like, okay, like I've been out there. I have another showing following that one. So I'll just head out and show it real quick. I head out and you know, I go to get out of my Jeep. And as always, when I'm showing any vacant property, I tucked my gun in my waistband, which I am incredibly glad that I did. Um, I get out and I introduce myself to the gentleman. He gives me his name and we start the showing. We go through the first two floors and this property was, when I say rundown, like it was a party house. It smelled horrid. And he was just giving me the chills. I have never felt so uncomfortable in a presence of somebody before in my entire life. Um, Walking through, we get done with the first floor we come down the deck steps and he goes okay well i want to check out the basement did you bring a flashlight and i said well i make a joke all the time about this house because i'd been down there before i say you know well i don't like creepy basements i don't do spiders so you can feel free to show it to yourself and with the way that i had felt about this guy there was no way i was going in a dark basement with him it just was not happening um (laughs) gun or no gun i was not going in that basement um we he went down he said okay so he got you know, a little disappointed it almost looked like and walked down the basement and showed himself the basement. So we go to go up the steps and every thought in my head that's reminating with me is remember what they told you in, in your defense class. Don't walk into a room in front of him. Don't walk out of the room behind him. Don't walk up the steps in front of him. Always walk behind him. Like everything is flashing through my head, like red flags everywhere. We walk up the steps and he makes a joke to me. He goes, oh, well, you got to be what? Like in your 20s. And I was like, actually, I'm 30. And he goes, oh, well, you have any family? And I was like, yeah, I actually have a very big family. Um, I'm a mom. I have three kids. And I was divorced at the time. But I'm like, you know, my husband knows where I'm at. He's just waiting for me to come home so we can go, you know, do things with the kids today. And he goes, oh, that must be nice to have people that care about you. Wow. And I was like, yeah, it's great. It's so wonderful to have people that know where I am. (laughs) And I'm walking up these steps and I'm thinking to myself, this guy's going to like kill me. He's asking me far too many questions. He's like too close to me. Anytime I'd come up to the top of the steps, it was like he was almost like on my neck, like breathing. It was creepy. So I just opened... Yeah, right. I just opened the top two doors to let him in. And he goes, oh, you're not going to show me around? And I said, no, sir. At this point, I think it's just better if you show yourself these rooms. Like, I'm not going back in this house with you. And he looked at me and he's like, he goes, so you're telling me you're not going to walk in here and show me these rooms? I said, no, sir, I'm not. I said, if you're uncomfortable with that, you can feel free to call my broker. I said, but at this point, I think I'm going to go get back in my vehicle. That is So crazy. you're not even going to lock up the house. I said, no. I said, I am not locking up the house. At this point, my hand is on the back of my waist. My safety is off and I'm terrified. Oh, wow. I'm shaking. Wow. Just his approach and how he would stand. And he was so close to me. And it was like he was trying to intimidate me. And I just, I looked at him, I picked up my phone and I got on the phone with um, my boyfriend at the time. And I was like, Hey, like, I'm really uncomfortable. I just need you to stay on the phone with me until I can go get in the car right in front of this guy. The guy got down off the deck. He walked away from me, got in his car and drove off. Well, I did a little research later that day. Um, His number was an app number. So it was not a real phone number. And uh, if that was not his name. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> that so, is crazy. Ever since then, I've been 
extremely careful about how I do things in this industry. Um, he found me on realtor.com. Wow. I think he was just on there looking at agent pictures. It happens so common and everybody always thinks, Hey, it's never going to happen to me. But I was, I was in a bad situation that day and (laughs) I'm just thankful I'm trained the way that I'm trained and that I've done what I've done because could have been totally different. Jessica, you have no idea what a perfect leadoff story that was because the episode that we actually recorded last week that's dropping the week before this episode is actually all about realtor safety. Um, and so that that just hits home with what we were talking about last week is that I don't think people realize people just think, oh, we go and we show pretty houses every day. And, you know, we look at the we look at the fun kitchens and the bedrooms and the this, that. And the, these are very real stories that that we uh, that we face in our business every day. It's also the reason why here at this podcast uh we're not very political we try to stay from away from the political arena but it's why we're very pro second amendment here yeah. at, <laughs> at the podcast for that reason alone i i fully support glad you're able to to protect yourself so well thank you for sharing that cool. that crazy uh and, and scary story and most importantly we're glad to, to hear that you're okay and you're still doing well and i'm assuming you didn't sell that guy a house i'm assuming that was a- oh no, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> missy top that one Well, it kind of goes along the same line, so thanks for the great intro. (laughs) Mine is called Body Bag. Oh, Um, wow. Oh, boy. Let's get back to show notes. (laughs) Okay, so um, I I had to print this out so I don't mess it up. So I had a buyer client driving from California. He wanted to move here to be with his family. His daughter was here. Okay, awesome, great. Really nice guy. We had a talk before I met him, and he came to the office so I could meet him before we go out. I agreed to take him in my car. I learned never, ever, ever do this. Just don't do this, ever. I was a new agent, and I felt bad because he just drove in from California, didn't know the area. So I have my list of homes. We drive all over the Pittsburgh area because he didn't know the area. We finally find this one house has a great, you know, property. It's run down. I soon learned that his um, project house meant close to teardown. So you can imagine the homes we were touring. Um, But one house in particular with the great property, we went in to see it. As we entered the beautiful fireplace, beautiful stone fireplace, looked like it was outside with as much water damage on there as there was. There was things growing. (laughs) Oh, geez. Yeah. So um, we looked around and found real neat surprises in every corner. The buyer then went to check out the basement. So as he walked through the kitchen, I gave him my flashlight and I said, I can see the cobwebs. I'm very adventurous. I love to go see things and explore. But yeah, no, I don't like things in my hair. So he's downstairs and I yelled down, hey, how's it going down there? And he, he laughed and chuckled a lot and said, I'm half expecting to find a body bag. I turned around and started exploring the kitchen and said, oh, no, it's up here. <laughs> there was the largest contractor bag just sitting there with nothing. There was no furniture, nothing. Just this big, large contractor bag. Oh, my God. We left. Body bag. Yeah, we left. I'm like, no, nah, we're not here. <laughs> yeah, that's my creepiest story. That is crazy. That is absolutely crazy. Jim, your turn. Top All right. I, I don't know if I can top either one of those, but uh, <laughs> I got my, uh, my my creepy basement story. So uh, I got this random phone call. Somebody wants to see a place out in Aliquippa. So from there's your first problem. Jason is in, in, in Missy. Yeah, we're, that's a little bit of a hike. Uh, so uh, go out there. I've never met these two gentlemen before. They're both probably definitely taller and more broad shouldered than me. So I'm like, well, I'm already, I'm already uh, out, uh, outmanned here. So <laughs> go in, walk up. It's pretty much a shack. Uh, the 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 front porch is all broken and, and making all sorts of creepy noises. Go in. Place has been uninhabited for a while. Look around. Go upstairs. You know, try to try to keep in mind what Jessica says about you know not being being behind everybody. You know, and walk up. So then we decide, well, we should probably check out the basement, naturally. So, so go down. I have my, have my, you know, I was a little adventurous. So I got my flashlight on my camera and go down. And there's just, it's just 
all dark. You can't hardly see anything. And it's just very creepy down there. And I think we all agreed that we would just uh, kind of leave uh, quickly. So that's uh, that's uh, it's not a very creepy story, but it just goes along the lines of the basement stories. So that's uh, all I have for that one. It's one of those ones where now you start to realize why Florida doesn't do basements. Uh, they probably don't have as many interesting stories, but probably also have a lot less crazy transactions with no basements. <laughs> <laughs> so my story is nowhere near as exciting as those three. So about a year ago, and I, I, I'm sharing this one because I thought this was really apropos for Halloween. So about a year ago, I was showing a house in Bethel Park. And I'm actually curious to see if any of the three of you showed the same house. I wish I had the address. I couldn't find it. But um, it was on an acre in Bethel Park. And the reason I remember that is because acreage in Bethel Park, it's out there, but it's not real it's hard to find acreage in Bethel Park and it was one of those ones where it was this time of year it was October November and I was showing the house around seven o'clock so as we all know in Pittsburgh it is completely dark by this point so we go in um, I joke I have that foreclosure flashlight which is that flashlight that illumines like a thousand lumens because if you go into a house with not great lighting or no lighting at all uh, it helps me see around so we go in and I go to turn on the lights and it's a house that has lights from like the 50s so it's like incredibly <laughs> dim it's like the one light over the sink not of like the living room or the bedrooms have overhead lighting or things like that so we're walking through and the minute we enter in the first buyer kind of got like a hint of something like maybe there was a small gas leak or a small co2 leak or something i'm not sure uh but we start walking through and the kitchen's old from the 50s um we walk around, there's pictures on the mantle, those old crazy pictures that you see in all those scary movies, the black and white ones from like the 30s and 40s where no one's smiling. <laughs> and it was one of those estate type houses and, and the the you guys can attest to, it was, you know, when you go into a house that's like an estate and it's vacant, but there's just random crap laying around. Like you have the jar of screws that are on like the fireplace and you have like the three or four random pictures. And then there's like the hammer and the Clorox under the sink. And it was just really weird. And all of a sudden about 10, 15 minutes in, we had gotten through the whole first floor. We were up on the second floor. The second floor was just so bizarrely laid out. We get up there. There's a couple more of those creepy pictures around. Finally, my buyer turns and looks me dead in the eye. And this, this is a family. This is a guy I went to high school with, his wife and his you know, three-year-old kid. I've known these guys, you know, for I'd known the guy for years and years and years. Nice guy. He looks me dead in the eye and he goes, we got to get out of here now. I said, okay. He goes, this house isn't for us. We got to get out of there. I said, okay. So we go, we lock up and we're talking for a few minutes in the driveway before we leave. And he goes, yeah, man. He goes, I'm not one to think like this. He goes, there's something in that house. <laughs> he's like, he's like, there's a spirit or there's a, there's something. He goes, there, there's something in that house. So I'm not the, the first one to jump up and say that ghosts and, and spirits and things like that. Uh, exist, but after a night in that house, I, I don't know. I could be wrong. There might there might have been something living in that house, and I need to go back and look because I'm really curious to know who sold that house. <laughs> so that is my scary story uh, for for this episode. All right, moving on to our nightmare client or transaction. Now, before we get into this, I want to be very clear: client or transaction singular, not plural, because I'm pretty sure all of us have more than just one story of a nightmare transaction and or client you know i hate to burst anybody's bubble who's not in real estate but uh it is one of those things where it is not sunshines and rainbows in this business all the time sometimes we have crazy stories with uh crazy clients maybe even crazy realtors but we won't go there uh so missy you will start this round off and uh for the safety of all involved we will eliminate any names of any uh people especially if they are fellow realtors we have worked with that have caused it. <laughs> a nightmare transaction you cannot see but the three of them are all smiling they're not audibly laughing but they know i'm right i miss it you're up okay this one um is a nightmare client and i call it deal killer um <laughs> my very first listing was in my own neighborhood how exciting i was a brand new energetic agent i decided to go door knocking as you know there's all kind of tips of how you can get your first listing 
So I go around my entire neighborhood, leaving flyers, introducing myself. Really awesome feeling. Um, I was super excited when the next day somebody two streets over gives me a call and says, hey, stop on over. I'd like to interview. I want to also buy. So a sale and a buy. Sweet. I go over. You know, we had kids that went to the same school recently, little different ages, but, you know, we really connected. And I'm like, great, I will be back tomorrow with paperwork to sign and get things started. I go back the next day. I have my very first listing. He signs the paperwork. We start setting up homes we're going to go see. I felt like a rock star. I'm excited. I'm telling everybody, wow, I got it. You know, in the morning, there was a shocking end. I pick up my phone to see what I'm doing that day, and dun, 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 he got drunk and sent me a dick pic. Yes. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yes. Wow. All gone. Wow. That's wow. it. Lawyers involved, and the worst was he was um, an authority figure, and I couldn't do anything about it. And and I can I can verify that story is true because <laughs> I was there in in real time. Oh, I thought he sent you a dick pic too, Jason. I'm sorry. No, no, I wasn't. I wasn't his type. I wasn't his type. But yeah, yeah, the authority figure hits it right on. You got a, you got a full picture of his nine millimeter, right? It's like a three and a half. Well, he became very famous as you know. I had to show that picture not only to my branch manager, but to the lawyers and other people for learning things, not about him, but about safety. As, as a side note, I really wish I could have been a fly on that wall with that conversation with our legal counsel, because uh, everyone on this call knows our legal counsel, Cobalt Banker, and he's a very he's a very straightforward guy. It's very black and white to him. I just would have been interested to see his reaction when you had to send him that picture. <laughs> so, yep. All righty. Jim, top the dick pic. All right. <laughs> top the uh, dick pic. I don't know if I can do that, but I entitled this, I'm not moving. Okay. So, so uh, several years ago, uh, I had a transaction out in uh, Washington County, uh, and uh, kind of like the, the Cecil Cannonsburg type area. And um, uh, we were moving along through the transaction. Uh, this was the third time the property had been actually listed. And um, I actually found the buyer on my own, so I was on both sides. And it was a pretty high priced transaction. So, yay. Uh, and went through everything, went through the, the buyer went through the home inspections. I also had their house listed, great. Um, the seller says, you know what? I can't find a place that I like. So, well, you already signed the sales agreement. The buyer had their home inspection. We had the place appraised. We secured the financing. Well, you told me I didn't have to move. I said, well, no, no. What I said is that you didn't have to move until, you know, we had a buyer and you need to keep looking for a place. I've been showing them places. They just said, no. So I said, well, I, I think, I think you need to retain counsel on this because I need to call our counsel. So as uh, we know uh, how this, this is going to end up. Um, so I knew there, so their attorney calls me. I know the guy, he used to live on my parents' street, grew up with them, nice guys. Like, Jim, what's going on? I said, well, this, that, and the other. And he said, well, uh, I'll explain that to them, um, and I think we can probably get this thing closed. So as if that wasn't bad enough, um, so then it came, it came to uh, having the place, I guess, appraised again or whatever, and it appraised for $100,000 less. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> Ouch. So uh, the crap. sellers said, well, okay, we'll move, but you agreed to pay us this and we're not going to take a dime less. So this guy goes and uh, secures some financing and figures it out. Wow. So, yeah. So um, it was just really crazy. It involved two lawyers um, our in-house legal counsel, which that person said, Hey, by the way, if they don't sell their house, it's not going to end well for them. <laughs> so it just, it was just a very crazy transaction. So that's why I'm titled it. I'm not moving. 
and, and to kind of put that in perspective and Missy and Jessica, I don't know if you've had this happen before. I've had buyers terminate over houses that didn't appraise 5,000, you know, lower than sales, sales price. So for a, a buyer to, to come up with an additional hundred thousand dollars is insane. Have either one of you had that before where it's been like maybe five, you know, a couple thousand dollars, $5,000 and it's terminated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I almost lost it over 2000. Yeah. So a hundred thousand is insane. Yeah, I was surprised. I, I thought my surprised. business was stressful. <laughs> <laughs> it was very stressful. I just, uh, you know, I, 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 wow, that's insane. All right, Jessica, you are up. Oh, joy. <laughs> okay, so. After the last one, I can't see how you're going to top this. Go ahead. Well, <laughs> Oh boy, <laughs> she's gonna try. She's are, gonna try. Are you like a magnet for like I, crazy shit? <laughs> I sold a house out in Elizabeth this year. Oh um, boy, beautiful, newly built home. Okay. Uh, buyer was extremely unreal, or seller was extremely unrealistic about the property. So I meet him. Um, I met him through Realtor.com leads, which you know that gets me in all kinds of trouble. So. <laughs> Here we go. Again. We, um, hate to, we, hate to tell you, we hate to tell you realtor.com is sponsoring this episode. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you just keep coming Hi back guys. for more, don't you, Jessica? <laughs> um, Was it Up so City? I mean, Somebody yeah. say Up City 30%? What? Yeah. Oh, we right. won't even go there. That's, that, that's a whole rabbit hole we can get into. So. I meet this gentleman out in Cecil to show him a very rundown property and I roll up in my Jeep Wrangler and before I traded it in, I had a very nice Wrangler that was completely tricked out and he rolls up in his. So he gets out and I would go, Oh, Hey Jeep fam. Like we're perfect for each other. Let's do, let's do deals together. And he's like, Oh yeah, I have a house to sell in Elizabeth. You know, it's a three bedroom, two bath ranch um, on a nice little piece of property kind of right right outside of Elizabeth in like the Mount Vernon area. I don't know if anyone's familiar out there. Um, yep. I grew up out there. So that's kind of my hometown area. Um, so I was like, okay, yeah, sure. I'd love to come out and see the property. Absolutely. So I go out to his property about a week later, um, meet him and his girlfriend and their son. Um, seemed totally normal. I was like, okay, this is going to be easy. This house is gorgeous. I was like, I'll come out, I'll send out my photographer, set a date for the photographer to go out. The morning the photographer is supposed to go out, I get a phone call from his mother informing me that she didn't have time to go clean the house. Oh, no. So we have to reschedule photography. And I was like, oh, yeah, sure. Okay, like, I'll reschedule it for next week. Like, will that work? She goes, yeah, sure. Next week, I get another phone call from the mother. Hey, I didn't have time to go over and clean the house yet. Can oh, we geez. reschedule again? And I said, but yeah, but like, I'm letting you know now, like, this is the last time. Like, if we can't get these photos done, like, you're going to have to find somebody else. She yeah. goes, no, not a problem at all. Like, we'll get the house listed. Not a problem. So we get the photos done finally, you know, a week later. And they, I gave them the seller's disclosures at our first initial meeting, which was at this point three weeks ago. And he's like, we get the photos back. And he's like, yeah, they look great. I need to sell this house right now get it listed. And I said, okay, yeah. He goes, I'm going on vacation this weekend. You can do an open house and we can hopefully sell it at open house so that it's not, you know, this big cluster of trying to get the kid out and him out and keep the house clean. And I said, perfect. Yeah. So we get it listed. We do an open house. We have a good open house. We have, you know, line out the door, typical summer market this, this last summer. Yep. Um, so the listing price was two fifteen which I told him not to list for more than 210 because the house wasn't worth 215. So, you know, we get our offers in and we get one at 230. Nice. And I'm like, perfect. Yeah, this is great. Like 230,000. So, you know, I'm talking to him. I'm like, Hey, like I really need those sellers disclosures so that we can get this done. <clears throat> oh, well I didn't do those and I'm going into dinner. I'm in South Carolina. So can this offer wait till I get back? Oh, I said, no, like we've got to get these sellers disclosures over to them now. Well, can you send them to me? So I sent them to him. Somehow he did them. He completed them. He got them back to me. We get this all, you know, ready to go. No home inspection. There is an appraisal contingency. Yes. Appraisal comes in at da -da -da -da, 210. 
Oh, there it is. I knew it was coming. There we go. Yep. <laughs> and I'm like, hmm. And he goes, well, we listed it at 2.30 and they offered us 2.30. And I said, well, yeah, I understand that. But it appraised at 2.10. I told you that taking an offer higher doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get that money. Well, I've already spent that money. Wow. We haven't closed yet. <laughs> what do you mean you've already spent the money? And he goes, yeah, I already spent the money. And wow. I was like, well, <laughs> that's not how this works. So <laughs> I go back to the buyer's agent and God love this woman because this is not even the worst part of this story yet. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> we negotiated. Oh, wow. <laughs> we get it to 215. He finally takes it. We get, you know, to a week before closing. Week before closing. I call him just to check in. And I'm like, hey, like, just want to make sure we're good to close. Da -de -da. He goes, what do you mean we're, we have to be out before closing? <laughs> well, you can't sell your house to somebody and still live in it. Oh, well, we're going to have to move closing then. I, oh, I said, that's I... not how this works. Oh, we don't just people. move closing. <laughs> you can't just. Well, what do you, I can't hire movers in a week. And I said, well, that's not my problem. You've had 30 days to pack your home. Yep. You've had 30 days to secure movers. You've had 30 days to get out. <laughs> You're moving into your aunt's house. Like, this is not like we're waiting on another house. Like, you literally could have been moving stuff this entire time. What are you doing? He goes, well, I'm not going to talk to you anymore. You uh. can just talk to my mom. So oh there it is. I knew this was going to be a great story when it started off with his mother called me about pictures <laughs> and he's moving into his aunt's house. <laughs> so, okay, let's bring on mom. I call mom and I said, Hey, like, you know, he's telling me he's not going to be able to get out. And she goes, Well, here's the problem with this entire transaction. And here's where you failed to properly represent my son. Oh. Okay, please tell me what I've done wrong. I love hearing what I've done wrong. She goes, well, see, you should have been dealing with me from the start. And I said to her, I said, well, ma'am, your name isn't on the mortgage. Your name isn't on the deed. So in turn, you're, the client that I have is your son. I have to talk to your son about things. Well, we never would have agreed to take 215 if... Um, the, the offer was two thirty, so you screwed him out of fifteen thousand dollars. So you're going to lower your commission. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Oh boy, I'm going to do what? And if you don't agree to lower your commission, we're not selling the house. <laughs> okay, whatever. I took my commission down from seven to five. I took the cut because at this point, I just want to be done. Yep. Like this has been a nightmare. So day of closing, I get a phone call from his fiance that they couldn't get the weight machine out of the house. <laughs> this big monstrosity of this weight machine. And they've moved it to the garage, but they couldn't move it. They moved it from the basement to the garage, but they couldn't move it from the garage out of the house. So I call the agent and I'm like, Hey, I know you're going for your final walkthrough, but like there's a weight machine. They said they're going to come get it before closing. So we're supposed to close at one. They call me at 1245 telling me that the weight machine is still not out of the garage oh. and that they're out the house trying to figure out how to get it out of the garage. <laughs> 1245. Closing's at one. So I call the agent. I was like, hey, they're going to be late to closing. Well, how late? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I, I can't tell you. I, I have no idea what's going on at this uh, point. Like, <laughs> white flag. I surrender. <laughs> I don't even care anymore. You can have all my money. You figure it out. I'm done. That's I like crazy. literally wanted to fire him while they're trying to get to closing. They were four and a half hours late to closing. <laughs> they call me Friday closing. Uh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Friday closing. I said all closings on Fridays just because it's easier, you know, and they're four and a half hours late. They call me and they're it's like, crazy. we can't find the building. I said, well, where are you at? And they tell me they're in downtown Pittsburgh and they're supposed to be closing in Upper St. Clair. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, okay. I was like, look, like you guys got to find closing because you're already late. We've had to move it three times. Like this is absurd. Yeah. So they hang up on me because, you know, they got static. She goes, I can't hear you. 
<laughs> it's a downtown building. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? That's so fake. That's yeah. like they finally get to closing. They finally close. <laughs> and the other agent calls me at closing and she goes, just to let you know, they had the weight machine out of the house at 10 a.m. They said they did it on purpose just to give you one last jab before they closed the deal. Oh, there it is. There it is. God. It's hilarious that this is a Halloween episode because it's literally like we deal with children in our yeah. business. Like when we think Halloween, we think trick-or-treating. We think kids getting dressed up. And in our business, it's like we literally deal with grown children. Best part, he called me two weeks later to help him buy a house. I told him to go fly a kite. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Was that the F word you used, fly a kite? Yeah, I okay. told him to go fly a kite. Okay, I was, I was, I, I maintain professionalism uh, as much no. as I possibly can. Professionalism is but... out the door at that point. Oh professionalism is out the door. Wow. Well, I can, I can sympathize with you, with you, Jessica, because for my nightmare client, this was uh, back when I first got into the business. Here we go. I think that's the theme of today. When we first got into the business, I was working with this uh, buyer client. That same thing, just very unrealistic throughout the entire transaction, and it was one of those ones where we were just going twelve rounds through the whole transaction um and all the guys on the call today know what that means um you know we went back and forth you know in the negotiating of the sales price it was you know 190 we offered 180 they said how about 1875 we said 182 they said 186 and we just went back and forth so we ended up beating each other up on the uh the, the sales price so that alone means you're in for a long bumpy rainy nasty weather ride so we get to the home inspection and this is where it starts to get fun so you know it's one of those houses from the 50s and 60s it was a ranch over in the uh actually uh missy in towards your area um not in south park but like right on the other side of south park into finleyville yeah, uh, right off 88. And, um, you know, the home inspection, you know, went okay, but there were definitely some big things that needed to be updated with the electrical. And um, there were, I believe, some wall anchoring things that needed to be done. I think the seller might have been doing the wall anchors anyways. I can't remember. But I remember the big argument being over the electrical. And this is where it gets fun. So the buyer gets their quote like they're supposed to. And I think their electrician wanted to rewire the whole house because the quote came in at like, $5,000. And I'm like, for all this work that needs to be done, this is like short of like rewiring the whole house. So it was a ridiculous quote on the high end. So then we get the sellers like, we want to get our own quote. And so they get their own quote and it comes in ridiculously on the low end. So then uh, the buyers ask me, they're like, we want to know how did they find this electrician? So I called the, the listing agent and I have to be very clear right from the start. I love this listing agent. Um, I loved working with her. She's a wonderful person um, and she's very good at what she does. But she disclosed to me that they got the quote uh, for the electrical work from her husband, who is also an electrician. And you know that that, especially when we're button heads and fighting between buyer and seller, that is not the answer I wanted to hear. Yeah. So then I called my my buyers back and they just went off the rails. Oh, they're trying to screw us and they shouldn't have hired the the, the husband as the as the electrician, non-professional, da-da-da, and this, that. And finally the the like like Jessica, the listing agent and I were like, screw this. We threw in the white flag. We we gave them their electrical quote and we made it work out. And then it just kept going and going and going. So we finally do the walkthrough. We do what we do both walkthroughs, but we do one walkthrough like a like a couple of days before and by this point it's been so nasty they're at each other over every little thing um i remember there being a ding in the garage door that when we did the final walkthrough and apparently the ding in the garage door wasn't there when they did the home inspections so they wanted the 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 buyer or the seller to fix the ding the seller's like no that's been there since beforehand they were pissed at the waterproofing company because they did the waterproofing work but they dragged their you know equipment all through the yard and the yard was torn up and all this other junk it was just it was a mess well, the buyer was the husband was so mad. He literally looked at the uh, the sale sign of the yard and went, and what the hell is this sign still doing in the yard? He goes, I bought this house. There's no reason why that should be a for sale sign and literally proceeded to like Jimmy the sale sign out of the yard and put it in the driveway. Like literally <laughs> took it out and put it in the driveway. So again, children, we work with children. Yeah. So we finally get to closing. Same thing. I'm ready to just be done with these people. The, the we get to the closing is supposed to happen at 9 a.m. 
my phone rings at 6.30 and it's the buyer. And you know this is not good when the buyer's calling you at 6.30 a.m., especially as people of the podcast know, um, there's only one 6.30 in my book and it's not the a.m. So the wife calls. The husband is in the hospital for heart issues. And he's like in one of the units. So I said, okay, that's actually not a problem. Our title company is willing to travel and we could just meet you in the hospital. And she's like, oh, no, 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 no. We're not signing anything today. Not while he's in the hospital, blah, blah, blah. And it actually happened to be one of those weird situations where we had actually extended to closing and it was like the ninth, but we had actually extended it to like the 15th or whatever. So because we couldn't close that day, we could actually bump it back. So I called the listing agent. She goes, look, my seller's already on the way to closing. Why not have her show up, sign her stuff? And then when the buyers are available, the buyers can can sign their stuff. I said, deal, that works. So the, the seller shows up. Um, she signed and she's in a pissed mood and it was a very awkward situation. She actually proceeds to ask why the for sale sign was in the driveway uh, because she lived, she moved a block away from where she was living. So I had to awkwardly explain to the listing agent that my person had jimmied it and thrown it in the, in the yard or in the driveway, like a child. Um, so she's, she's unhappy about that. So a week later, he's out of the hospital. We finally go to closing. And then to to put the cherry on top, we go to closing. It's awkward. He's bad-mouthing the seller. Luckily, the seller wasn't there. He's bad-mouthing the listing agent. The listing agent was there. So we get to the very end, and the title uh, the title closer goes, hey, I need your, uh, your, your cash to close, and we're done. We're all good. He slides her the piece of paper. The only buyer in the history to decide to actually take his cashier's check. Uh, we all know it's perforated because the one half is the check and the one half is the receipt. Every buyer I've ever had just brings the whole damn thing because they don't know what they're doing and they just bring the whole thing because they don't want to screw this up. He had actually torn it off. The idiot left the check at home, had brought the receipt. <laughs> so then we had to sit there for 45 minutes while his wife decide, had to drive home to get the cashier's check to come back and I just she goes and meanwhile the wife was like you know uh I bet you you're glad to see this transaction be over and in the back of my mind I'm like F yeah like Jessica I'm like oh it's great it's fine I'm glad we got it done in the back of my head I was like doing backflips doing backflips it was crazy so anyways plowing ahead all right last one and I know we're getting low on time so we'll have to keep these ones quick wild card anything you want to talk about any any story real estate related mine is real quick uh, a couple of years ago showing a house not even my client it's uh john geisler's client and and i'm you know very okay throwing his name out there i do some work for john he's been on this podcast before showing out in rural aliquippa so i'm shown three houses and it's one of those lovely days where it had snowed the day before and then it got really cold the next day. And so I'm showing his client three houses. The last house was vacant. We all know what that means. The, sho- the, the driveway's not going to be shoveled. It's not going to be salted. So we go and I'm thinking to myself, okay, I didn't even think anything of it. Pull down to the driveway. It's one of those ones where it's a downward facing driveway. So I pull down to the bottom. Client pulls in behind me. We get done with the showing. Uh, I think we had started our showings around 1.30. We're finishing up. It's like 3, 3.15. Missy, I, you're actually involved in this story. So Uh-oh. I'm uh, missing <laughs> this, this one. Really I remember well. this. <laughs> yep. So we go to pull out and he's driving some, I don't know, Honda Geo or something. So Lou, you can appreciate this story too. So he goes to back out and I just see his tire spinning. And so like a good driver, what does he do? He just tries to floor it even more and he's spinning he's spinning and what happens is it's one of those downward driveways and then off to the left hand side is like the the hill you know the the terrain of the land goes you know over and so finally he just kind of starts to drift and at this point he's stuck i'm like dude we can keep messing around with this for for hours you're stuck call triple a they can pull you out so he calls triple a this is like three o'clock he goes we got a four hour window so we call AAA at like 3, 3.30. They finally show up at like 7.30 at night. I had been at this vacant house for like four hours. AAA finally pulls them out. And I and I go to AAA. I said, hey, by the way, I said, you know, can you just sit here for a second so I can pull out to make sure I don't get stuck? He goes, oh, he goes, 
the ticket is only for this car. I'm not allowed to help out cars that don't have a ticket filed with us. He said, no, you get stuck. You're going to have to call and place a ticket. Uh Thankfully, in the four hours, friends and family had showed up and we had salted and shoveled the hell out of this driveway. So all his friends and family are like, we're not going to get you stuck. We're not going to let you get stuck. Well, here it was on one of those highways um, in Aliquippa. So the, the friends stood on either side. They're like, you're clear. You're clear. So I floor it. I spin out for a second. I get traction. I fly up. They're like, don't stop. I'm like, I'll see you later. <laughs> and they just took off. The best part about that story was I called John's assistant afterwards. I was like, I am leaving after eight hours uh, of showing houses for him. And she's like, that's going to be really interesting for filing purposes because I had actually called John. He was uh, uh, skiing in Park City, uh, Utah, which if you know anything about John, he takes like eight ski trips a year. And when I called him around like 5, 30, 6 o'clock, I said, dude, I'm stuck at your showing uh, and I'm going to be here for a couple of hours. This is his response. He laughs. He goes, thank God I'm paying you by the hour. And then just talk my phone. <laughs> The best part was Missy's involved in this story because on top of it all, I had additional showings myself. I had gotten stuck there for like six hours. I was supposed to have showings with my own clients at like 630. And so I had to find someone to cover. Luckily, the showings were in South Park, which is where Missy lives. So I called Missy. I was like, Missy, are you available to show houses? She goes, yeah. So luckily she took my clients while I'm stuck at this showing for like eight hours. And he did. He paid me by the hour. He paid me for like eight hours of showing. So. It was it was hysterical because then <laughs> I discussed with your clients and we laughed. Yeah, exactly. Oh, they thought it was hilarious. They thought it was hilarious. And the funny part about that showing was that was like the first time I was showing like four hundred, four hundred fifty thousand dollars houses. I'm like, and I'll sell anything to anyone, but I'm like, I need to get to this showing. I want to be with these clients. So, Jim, uh, or wait, yeah, Jim, you're up next. All right. So uh, I entitled this one. Um, oh, I needed to open up an estate after my. <laughs> family member passed. So uh, recently I was speaking with another agent. Uh, I'm actually stealing this story from them. Uh, and uh, they had put a condo up for sale in the city and uh, the person had passed away, the condo owner, uh, about a year ago. They actually found the person in the condo and they, uh, so a year or so went by, they had never done anything uh done any work so somehow the condo went up for sale and it got to the point of somebody had a uh offer on it and it was going towards closing and the closing closing attorney came up and said oh you know wait we can't close this oh why can't you well who signed the sales agreement who signed the listing contract and apparently it was a undocumented family member. So an estate had never been opened and uh, a will, power of attorney, nothing had ever been drafted. So all the documents were pretty much illegal. So uh, <laughs> it, 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 it just, it was just absolutely crazy. And um, uh, we, uh, they eventually opened up an estate and then they could actually go and sell it. Now, how this benefited me was this buyer got upset about the other condo and said, oh, hey, Jim, do you have one available? Oh, I certainly do. So, <laughs> so I was able to sell them, sell, to talk to this agent and sell them my, you know, a listing that I have, but um, it was just awful. It was, it, it, and then the poor buyer had already spent all the money. He had already spent, had a home inspection and everything else. Yep. So this this property is still sitting on the market, and they've, you know, wasted time and everything else. But they they finally got a, a short certificate done, so they can actually sell it and open up an estate. But so that's uh, that's the story of uh, I needed an estate. Yeah. The, the moral of the story is this: Thank God those attorneys charge by the hour. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Just like Jason and John Geisler. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Jessica, you're up. So I had a showing out um, by Green Tree with these new buyers that I had inquired. This was right when I had first started in real estate. So all excited to go show some houses, right? Uh, we get out there to this showing and we go to the door and the lockbox is inside the screen door. Well, the screen door's locked. Well, I call the listing agent. I'm like, hey, like we can't get in the house, da-da-da, it's locked up. 
She goes, well, hey, can we reschedule? Like, I'll contact the seller. We'll figure it out. Sure. No problem. Like, I'll reschedule. So I talked to my buyers. We set up a time to come back tomorrow and do the showing. We go to go back the next day and go to pull on the screen door. And again, the screen door is locked. So I call the listing agent again, and she doesn't answer me. My buyer's husband decided that he was not coming back for another attempt to show. So he pulls the screen door. Oh, no. Okay. Screen door opens. Cool. Smash. Let's get in. <laughs> I do the lockbox. I drop the box. I put the key in. I turn the knob and I open it as I guess the seller's son was living there. Yes. Um, apparently he was cooking meth in the house. Uh, yes. Yes. No. He comes flying down the steps as I'm stepping. I literally just did like open the door to step in. And I start saying hello because obviously the screen door is locked. We probably shouldn't be going in this house in the first place. Yes. But um, he flies down the steps and slams the door in my face, locks it, and goes, you better get the out of here because I'm going to kill you if you try to come in this house again. Oh my God. I turn, I look at my buyers. I said, and this is why we don't pull on screen doors. <laughs> oh my I get God. in my car and I leave. I called the listing agent and I was like, look, I don't know what's going on with this house, but you should probably just pull it off the market. That's amazing. Oh my God. That is amazing. Lou, we're going to change the title of today's episode. We're going to title this episode, the shit that HGTV doesn't teach you. That's, that's, that's the name of this episode. Oh my God. That's fantastic. Well, before we let you go, I've got a final bonus round. And uh, this is a surprise to everyone on this call, other than you knew I was going to do it, but you don't know what questions I'm going to ask. So what we're going to do, I got 15 questions. This is a lightning round. It's our Halloween episode. So I want to ask 15 questions uh, that are Halloween related. They're one to two word answers. So this is the order on my screen. Jessica, Missy, Jim. So Jessica, you'll answer first. Missy, you'll answer second. And uh, Jim, you'll answer third. Quick lightning round. These are all Halloween related just to have a little bit of fun. Here we go. Favorite Halloween candy? Candy corn. Oh, you screwed the next question up. Missy. Reese's peanut butter cups. Yes. Jim. Uh, let's go with candy corn. Uh, me, Reese's peanut butter cups. <laughs> so my, my <laughs> next one, candy corn, love it or hate it? Love it. No. Yeah. Oh, Jim. It's great. It's awful. I hate it. Oh, Terrible. Yes, I can't right. even it's believe awful. it's in the it's in the same category as, as real candy. Oh. Favorite Halloween movie. Oh, I don't do scary. What? Not but he, not even like Halloween themed, because there's some like non-scary okay, Halloween. Okay, okay, okay. Hocus pocus. Okay, oh, there you are. go. There you go. Halloween or scary. Missy. Um Nightmare on Elm Street. Good one. Okay, Jim. Ghostbusters. Uh, there you go. Uh, for me, it's any of the Insidious movies because I'm a freak like that. Oh, um, okay. Uh, taking the kids out to trick-or-treat or staying to pass out candy? We go out. We hike it. Nice. Missy. <laughs> oh, I'm walking with my grandkids. I love every minute. Nice. Aww. Jim. Yeah, I walk it. This may change for me since I got a 10-month-old at home, but I actually enjoy staying out, passing out candy. So, but like I said, that may change in the next uh in the next uh <laughs> year or two as my kid gets older. Favorite or best Halloween costume you ever wore? I was a deer last year and my boyfriend was a hunter. <laughs> I figure. <laughs> oh God, the amount of inappropriate jokes are just flying my right now. Missy, your turn. Um, I guess go with last year, we did a 70s theme. So my boyfriend, myself and his daughter, we were all like, totally decked out. It was awesome. Nice. Jim. Uh, I think one of my favorite ones would be I dressed up as a Ghostbuster as a kid. Nice. Nice. I suck at this kind of stuff. I'm terrible. I have no creativity. So one year I just literally showed up in college to a Halloween party wearing uh, 
jeans and I had this really weird denim jacket. Don't ask me why. And so somebody said, oh, you're Denim Dan from Super Troopers. I was like, yeah, that's it. That's exactly what I was going for. So my most creative <laughs> costume was was uh, Super Troopers. Okay. Um, here's a fun one. Max age to trick or treat. I trick or treated till I was like 19. Yes. Missy. If you're going to play the game, you're going to get the candy. I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a player. Nice. Jim. I think it kind of, at least for guys, I think it kind of caps out at like maybe like 16 or so. Anything after that, some people just get scared. Yeah, and then like that whole door now. thing with Jessica, you know, yeah. they, they keep it locked. Yeah, Jessica and Missy can get <laughs> so, away so, with it. <laughs> what's that, Lou? I said, Jessica and Missy can get away with it. I don't think me and Jim and Jason can get away with trick-or-treating right now. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. If you're 45, uh, no, my rule is if you're still in high school, have at it. You've got the rest of your life to grow up if you're in high school. So I guess I would be like 17, 18. That's, that's my belief. If you're in high school, because only because when you go to college, then you just get to the Halloween parties and just start drinking a bunch and it changes. So, okay. Um, how old are you? Uh, how old are you to go out and trick-or-treat by yourself? I still trick or treat. Does that count? <laughs> when I don't have my kids, I still go trick or treat. No, no, no. no. So. Like how old? How old do you have to be to go out by yourself? Like without your parents? Like oh, without oh God, my kids ain't ever going out without me. I'll be spying <laughs> through the bushes. No, with you're binoculars. Gonna, you're gonna be the helicopter mom. I love it, Missy. <laughs> um, uh, that's middle school age, not beginning of middle school, but right before high school. Gotcha. Yeah, I'll second Missy. Yeah, I think it depends a lot on where you live and how well you know your neighborhood. So I would say, yeah, probably middle school age, fifth, sixth grade, seventh grade. So whatever that comes to be, 12, 13, 14. So I don't think I'm mature enough, though, to go out trick-or-treating by myself. <laughs> um, favorite Halloween tradition. Do you have a favorite Halloween tradition? Yes. Um, my children and I carry on what me and my siblings used to do. So we all come back and we dump out all the candy and we sort it and then we trade. We literally have a marketplace trade-off of different nice. types of candy. Nice. So they'll trade M&Ms for Reese's Cups. And mom has, you know, the tax of I take some of your candy and <laughs> you never mom see it again. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like that, about like the that. real world from the start. I love it. Taxation. Oh, my God. Great, great government civics lesson. I love it. Missy. Um, yeah, I agree in the tax. My grandkids come over and I pick out the Reese's and um, send them on their way. And also we do pumpkin carving like the night before. So, yeah. Oh, Very nice. nice. Jim. So uh, for a long time uh, when I was growing up, uh, my grandma's birthday was that weekend. So the whole family would get together and all the kids, all the grandkids. I, I'm one of 13. Uh, we would all get together and be dressed up. And it was just a really great family time. So that's one of my favorites nice for me it was always going out to get enough candy because the end goal was to make the candy last till christmas so shocker that the kid that's 300 pounds on this uh podcast decided to try to see if he can get enough candy to last until christmas and i was usually very successful and that was still eating three to four pieces a day so uh favorite halloween themed song jessica monster mash good oh i gotta second that one jim uh i like monster mash thriller Oh, that was gonna be mine. Thriller is mine. Yeah, Lou. What about you? You're a music guy. What's your favorite? Oh, it's, thr it's Thriller. Yeah, yeah. No, and not just for the music, for the video too, because that. I mean, we could get into a diatribe on that one. Okay, I kind of alluded to this earlier in the podcast. Ghosts, spirits, the extraterrestrial, real or fake? Real. Absolutely real. I see evidence for both. I, I used to say fake until that showing. Now I think it's real. Um, how much money would it take for you to stay in a haunted mansion or a haunted house overnight? Wait, I do that for free. I actually pay to go do that. <laughs> Wait, ruin it for the rest of us, Jessica. Missy? Um, it would really depend on the amount of money and the location. I'm sorry. I couldn't put a price on that. Jim? I do, I, do, I do need more data in order to have a response. Okay. It's got to be at least 100000 for me. I feel like it's got to be six <laughs> digits. I just, I, listen. My, you got to survive the night. My, 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 wife's, my wife's pet name for me is Puss Puss. Like, that's what she calls me because I'm just, I'm a whip when it comes to Frank's red hot sauce, let alone trying to stay in a haunted mansion overnight. You've never done a walk-in? Well, yeah, uh -huh. but like in middle school at, at like no, the school. No, like a... And, 
at like the haunted jails or anything. You can no. literally go overnight. You pay to do it and you get no. locked in. That's probably it's amazing. Listen, you want to be scared out of your mind and have an adrenaline rush? Li- go do li- a lock-in. Listen, the running joke in, in my house is this. In every scary movie, you know how there's always one character that's like, oh, hell no, I'm not going into that house. It's usually the African-American character. Let's just be real about this. I was going to say, it's like the token one. Yeah, yeah it's, it's the black character. That's me. I'm like everyone, like I'm screaming at the television and all the movies going, stupid, crazy white woman, don't go into that house. So no, I'm the one that's going the other way. Oh, so I that's think, I think, anyways, we, I, think I digress. Should, I think we should split up. That's always a sign of trouble. Yes, Let's yes, split up. all split up. That's the best way to do that. <laughs> and white girls always fall down when the guys, when the monster chase and the guys, they always fall. You can, it's clockwork. I don't know what yes. it is with you white girls. I don't know what your problems yes. are. You know, just... They have a commercial out with that. Right yes. now. Let's go in the running car. Yes. Yep. That, that's my favorite commercial of all time. Favorite commercial. What are we carving into our pumpkins? Um. I kind of just let the kids do a free for all. Nice, nice. So whatever they come up with that year is what we got. Missy, I love art, so I try to do some kind of a really cool artistic face. Very nice, Jim. I have limited artistic skills, so I'm going to go with second with Jessica's idea. Yeah, uh, and I am the opposite of Missy. Um, I have no art skills. I almost failed third grade art because I was still drawing stick figures. So I say nothing <laughs> uh, because I'm just. It's just better to. Just not do that. Okay, here's a fun one. What do you use as a bag for trick or treating? Because this is this is some next level. You know, this is this is some this is not for amateurs. What kind of bag are we using to trick or treat in, Jessica? Pillowcase. No, it's not a bag. It's a pillowcase. But there's no handles on a pillowcase. There's no handles on a pillowcase. You can sling it on your back. Well, it is if you're like trying to get like thirty pounds of candy, Missy. Oh no, I got it good. This is what I do with my kids. You got the wagon being towed by me with the pillowcases, and then they have the smaller bags and keep doing dumps. Well, you Ooh, I like that. Nice. That's that. There you go. That leads into mine. That's Jim. a system. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm more or less the uh, just the traditional, you know, little plastic uh, pumpkin container. Throw it in. When it gets too heavy, it's probably about the end of my area, so we're good. Nice. Um Let's see here. Uh, for me, it's a double double shop and save bag. Got to have the handles. Got to have the sturdiness. Got to hold a lot of weight. Um, I think I already asked this one, so I'm not going to ask that one. Last one that we have. Christmas shopping. Do you do it before or after Halloween arrives? My Christmas shopping's done. There's the overachiever in the group. Missy. I start December 20th. <laughs> <laughs> we've got the overachiever we got the procrastinator I'm, I'm the one that buys the wedding card as i'm going to the ceremony oh that that, that that's just a given that's so just everything given. is like that yeah yeah that's I, we all do that i mean the only time you're buying a wedding present ahead of time is if it's like if it's your sister like that that's the only time you're doing uh, just ahead of time. Just like no, no. <laughs> she's getting money too she's getting money <laughs> She ain't getting shit. I paid for the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Jim, before yes, uh, so, yeah, I'm more of a uh, online kind of thing. So a couple of things I'll do last minute, like Missy. My dad traditionally has always gone out last minute and done yeah. everything. But uh, I'm more of an online. So probably next couple of weeks, I'll go and start clicking. So you're an after. For me, the actual art of purchasing is after. I may do some planning before uh, before uh, the hol- before Halloween, but the actual purchasing is afterwards. Um, guys, thank you so much. Uh, this has been an absolute blast. Um, uh, this is exactly what I wanted to accomplish with this episode. So thank you so much for being on. Um, Jessica, Missy, Jim are all great um, realtors. Um, and what we normally do at the end of every episode is, you know, if we have another guest on, with another um, profession like an attorney or a you know a, a, a surveyor or a you know lender or whoever I encourage you uh, the listeners to call and uh, seek their services and I would do the exact same thing for today even though you know we're all in competition with each other because we're all trying to sell I would say that these <coughs> excuse me 
these three people are awesome uh, for all your real estate needs. Give them a call, um, especially if you're looking in South Park. I know Missy does a lot in there. Um, if you're looking in the South Hills, Jim, I think you do a lot like in the the green tree area. Um, the only fight you're going to have is with Jessica and I, we're both in the Cannonsburg area. So I would say pick the prettier of the real two realtors. <laughs> or if you want to shop in Cannonsburg, call Jessica. I'll take Houston. How does that sound, Jessica? Sounds good to me. But, uh, perfect. But otherwise they're all great uh, realtors. You need them for anything. Don't hesitate to reach out. Thank you again, guys. And uh, I will turn it over to Lou to wrap up the, uh, the, the episode. I have really nothing to add after that. <laughs> uh, super fun, super fun. Um, I'm really, really great to uh, you know get everybody on together and just uh, see you guys mix it up. There's a like kind of a, uh, a sort of a uh, fraternity sorority kind of uh, vibe between realtors. I can see that now. <laughs> <laughs> and it feels like fraternity vibes because we were eat. Some of us were eating pizza for breakfast at nine a.m. So. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and the one person had the health bar. The one person, was one person that had their health, Jake, and the rest of us were all eating junk. Um, so, anyways, we had uh, we have Je- Je- Jessica, Jim, Missy. Uh, we really appreciate you guys uh, joining us today. Um, so you can reach out to Jason at 412-651-4638. He is uh, uh, the, the man here who's uh, been putting this wonderful podcast on for you for over a year now. And uh, if you have, uh, you know, this is a great place. If you have questions about real estate, you're thinking about selling, you're not sure, maybe down the road, you know, start following this on uh, Spotify and places like that. And then uh, you, you start, you're going to come away with a foundation. Okay, this is kind of what I need to do and everything, including uh, possibly working with Jason. He was uh, happy happy to work with you no matter which stage you're in. You can reach out to him at 412-651-4638. Once again, it was a great show. Uh, Happy Halloween, everybody, and we'll catch you all on the next Really Real Real Estate Podcast. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.